Hi, you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 102. It wasn't brilliant sales, but it was enough to say, you know what, I think this can work. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Before we get into the show, I have a question for you. Do you know that you should be out networking, but you just can't get yourself to do it because it's scary? Are you afraid that you might walk into the room and not know anybody? Or that you're going to freeze when you get up to do that infamous elevator speech where you talk about yourself and your business? Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't need to be scary if you know what to do. To help you with this, I would like to offer you a coffee chat. For the price of buying me a cup of coffee, we can sit down through an online video and I'll tell you everything that I know about networking and how I have personally built two multi-six-figure businesses primarily through networking. To learn more about this opportunity, just go over to bit.ly forward slash network ninja. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash network ninja. And now let's move on to the show. Hi there, it's Sue and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick and mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I have the joy of introducing you to Brigitte Wimbush of Fab Scraps. Brigitte has a fine art and graphic design background and has been in the advertising industry for over 20 years. Astonishingly, within 12 years, Fab Scraps has grown from what started off as a small venture in a loft by two sisters into the largest craft and fabric manufacturer in Africa. Scraps factory employers are predominantly from the KwaZulu-Natal region, and many are single parents. Since 2005, Scraps has strived to transform the lives of many of these men and women by providing and mentoring career-resilient work programs and assisting them in growing within the company. Today, the Scraps collection are as vast and varied as the people of their rainbow nation. And as a result, the brand has become one of the most recognized in South Africa and across the globe. Oh my word, Brigitte, I am so excited to hear more. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Sue. It's lovely to be on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I cannot believe that you're sitting in Africa, I'm sitting in Chicago, and we can have this conversation. (laughs) I know. It's fantastic. Modern technology has really moved forward. (laughs) For sure. I like to start off, it's a little bit of a tradition here, to have you describe yourself in the way of a motivational candle. So if you were to create a candle that was all about you, Brigitte, what color would it be and what would be the quote on your candle? You know, Sue, I'm sorry, but I really, really can't choose one color. I'm a creative and color rules my life. I dress every day in a different color because depending on what I'm going to do, if it's got to be more creative, then I use reds and bright colors and pinks and yellows. And if I've got to be more serious, then I tend to dress more in blacks and blues. So I'd like to say I've got a multicolored candle. Is that okay? It's okay. This is all about you. So whatever you want is good. (laughs) 
That's great. And, you know, there's two motivational factors that really do stick with me just about every single day of my life. And the one is I did not wake up today to be mediocre because there's no point. What's the point of getting out of bed if you're not going to do something fabulous that day? And the second one, which tends to be more of a family one because all of us kind of live by it, is that failure is not an option. And that was when Apollo 13 was launched and Kat said to his crew, Failure is not an option. And I just have lived by those two quotes, is that I'm going to be fabulous and failure is not an option. And I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, they certainly do. You're going to stretch the limits by not just being mediocre, and you're going to be successful in that stretch, period. Yeah. Nothing else to say about that. Yeah. It's just going to be. It definitely drives me. <laughs> Every Beautiful. day it drives me. Well, you and I met at the New York Now show. I was actually scoping, and I'm telling all GIFBiz listeners this so you kind of understand and get grounded here. And those of you who were viewing the scope remember this. You're all saying, I want to know more about the story. Make sure she gets on the podcast. And so then I rallied <laughs> you up and made you commit to it <laughs> live on Periscope, right? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> so people who were not seeing that scope, though, may not totally understand yet what Fab Scraps is about. So let's start with that. What is the business and what is the product that you offer? Okay, so we are creative manufacturers. We manufacture everything to do with craft. So it goes from paper to card making to decoupage to fabric. Fabric's quite new. It's only two years old. We do kits. We sell individual products. We've probably got over about over 3,000 product lines. We introduce 60 new products a month. So the team is constantly busy. There's no time of slacking off at all. They're constantly preparing new stuff and we work six months in advance. So you've always got to be ahead of the game and make sure that you are on top of the new and creative lines that are coming out. You've got to follow trends. So it's a very exciting business to be in and I'm loving it. It's stressful, but I'm <laughs> loving it every single second Okay, of it. perfect. So now that we've kind of grounded everybody in terms of what you do, I want to jump back now 12 years. How did this start in the very beginning? I have four children and my third child was, when I, when I gave birth to my third child, I decided I wasn't going back to the advertising industry. I just wanted to spend more time at home, but I've always been a very busy person and I then started working on the clients that I had been working on for the last 12 odd years. I carried on working with them. And then when my fourth child was born, I decided, hang on, you know, I realized with the third child, when you're working from home, you're feeding your child, you're bathing them, you get disturbed quite a lot. I used to get paid per hour. And so I wasn't earning as much as I really wanted to earn. So I decided, well, I've got to find something that can make me money whilst I'm also looking after children and stuff like that. So... My sister and I, we used to work together in the advertising uh, side of things. And we then decided that there was no one that was introducing or making locally made products in South Africa for the crafter, like beautiful papers. Shouldn't we try it out? So we decided that in our spare time in the advertising, we would start creating this. And it just took off from there. We started in a loft above our garage, just the two of us. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And eventually we hauled in my mum and dad, who are both, one's a bookkeeper, one's an accountant, which is absolutely perfect. And we drew them into the company. And then it just grew from there. We've now got about 25 employees, factory where we've moved into a factory once the kids were at school. And it's just grown. We've actually just recently moved again. We need a bigger premises. And 
And it's just grown beyond our wildest dreams. It has grown, but it hasn't been without stresses. I'm not saying that this has been like a smooth ride. This has been a bumpy road all the way through. Yeah, I'm so glad you say that because people can see the result and can hear you and hear the result. And it sounds like, oh, well, you know, they just decided to start a business and here it was. And now they've got 25 employees and you know, on and on. It, it doesn't work that way. Oh, no, no, <laughs> It no, does no. not. But <laughs> give us a little bit more detail. So you're sitting in the loft with your sister and you have this idea. And I'm quite sure you didn't uh -huh. know how to make paper when you started. No, actually, I would have known how to make paper because remember, being in advertising, I was used to print and designing for print and designing according to a brief. Now, I didn't really know much about the craft industry, but as a designer, I can work by a brief. So we started investigating the scrapbooking, the card making. That's where it started was the scrapbooking. And it was 12 by 12 paper. We had to find some acid-free and lignin-free paper, which we duly found. And then we started designing. But I mean, the design, I mean, if I look at my first collection, I actually just want to die. It was so revolting. But, you know, it seemed to sell a bit, but we'd already jumped in. So now the, you know, we've put the money behind it. So now we've got to just keep it going and learning. So, I mean, we seriously worked hard trying to make sure that we got the right product mix and we got the right designs going and created our own signature, which is what we needed. We didn't want to copy what anyone else was doing. We wanted to do our own signature from South Africa and for the South Africans, because that's where we started, was for the South Africans. We weren't even thinking about a worldwide launch at all. Um, we were just looking at South Africa at that stage. Two things that I want to point out that were really smart that you did is, number one, because you didn't know crafting, but you already had a skill. Mm -hmm. So, gift biz listeners, if you are in a nine-to-five job now, you may be picking up skills along the way that you're going to be able to use as you grow your business because you don't have to just jump ship Absolutely. and start something. You can start building it on the side as well. Yeah. But so you were then investigating the crafting field and doing a lot of research behind what you were going to offer. Yes, whilst I was working. While you yeah. were working. Okay. And then the next thing that you did, which is so important, is you made the leap. You took action. You put out that first collection. And I would say anybody who loves their first collection started too late, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because you probably waited yeah. too long. You should like cringe a little bit. I cringe when I listen to my first <laughs> podcast interviews, <laughs> you know, I look at old pictures of my first website. The point is you need to just get yeah. started. And that's what Brigitte is talking about here is you just need to take action and get started. Don't be paralyzed and like stuck in the mud, just waiting for everything to be perfect. You want to just get moving because the other thing you just mentioned too is people were buying. So you saw, you were able to test it a little bit and see that you were having an audience, that there were people who were interested in what yes. you were producing. We were so terrified to launch that first range because, I mean, we thought it was good enough, but we didn't really know enough about the industry. I mean, as much as research that we had done, we didn't know enough about it, but there was enough sold to motivate us to bring in a second collection. It wasn't brilliant sales, but it was enough to say, you know what, I think this can work. Let's launch the second collection. And we just got better and better. And I'd say probably the first collection that I was really happy with probably would have been about my 11th or 12th collection. And then oh, wow. all, uh, yeah, all of a sudden things sort of like came together for me. I found my signature and it sold out. 
And that was, oh, that was pop the champagne. That was so exciting. But it was, <laughs> what I'm saying is that was a full year of serious hard slog and hard work. And we had packed our own orders. This is just my sister and myself. You know, so we had worked really long hours and we had packed the orders. Eventually, we got one lady in to come and help us. And we all packed together and we, and we brought in Daika. And so we, we just started growing and you start seeing what works, what doesn't work. And you try and limit your risk as much as you can as you go along because you don't know if it's going to work. I mean, I launch a collection and I don't know if it's going to sell or not. But I've got a, at this stage, after 12 years, I've got a fairly good idea if something's going to move or not. Well, plus, you probably will risk a little bit more because you have successes yeah, behind you yeah, at this point. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, yeah, if a line, you know, a style, you want to take a risk, it doesn't quite work as well as some of the others. All right, well, you know, you've learned something. And that's happened. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely happened. Um, I take it every now and then I just get this bee in my bonnet that I want to do something totally different off my signature, everything like that. I don't think I've had many successes with those really risque ones maybe one or two, but I've learned something from them. I've been able to draw from every collection, which then takes me into the following collection. And I think, okay, hang on, let's not do this. This wasn't a good seller. This was a good seller. Let's try this. Eventually you find your way and your risks, even though you're going to take a risk, like I'm doing one right now, which is quite risque, but I'm prepared to take it, but I'm taking all the things that I think worked, but with a slightly different twist. Well, and that's how you really define yourself and be different. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're like everybody else, what prompts people to come to you Yeah, then? because they know there's going to be something that's going to be, there's going to be a twist in everything that we do. It's not going to just be straight right. down the line. Well, what about those first 11 then, you know, that year of experimentation that you were doing, what kept you driving forward? You know, you were seeing some sales, but not a whole lot yet. You know, you say you really landed it maybe at about 11 or 12. What kept you going? What was the motivator that just kept you producing and testing and producing and testing until you really landed it? Firstly, failure is not an option, okay, which is our family motto. All right. So that was, that's the first <laughs> thing that got me out of bed. And secondly, I loved what I was doing. I loved it. Okay. I wasn't making any money, but I still loved what I was doing. And I just kept on thinking, it's, it, I've got to get this right. It, it was like a challenge that I just had to get this right. And I wasn't like losing heaps, but I was losing enough to make everyone squirm. But I just kept on thinking, I can get this right. I know I can. I know I'm a good designer. I know I can get this right. I mean, there's not a formula. Creativity isn't a formula. But I just knew that inside me, I knew that if I worked hard enough and I drove it and I really put a lot more effort into the collections and did the research that I would be able to pull it off. And all of a sudden, and I did, it, all of a sudden it just came together. I was elated. I, I, I can't tell you that feeling. And that feeling is what keeps you going. It's like these boys that play golf and they hit one good shot. And that's what keeps them back on the golf course is that you know you've got it. You've just got to try and do it more times than not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you want to do it again and you want to do it again. And as a creator, yeah. what you're creating and your patterns and your designs are all originating from inside you, mm. just like all of us listeners, you know, whether you're knitting or you're baking or whatever, it's your creation there. So it's a way to feel highly vulnerable. Oh, but I love, Brigitte, I mean, your passion and your confidence that it's going to work out. We can all hear it in your voice, right? <laughs> <Yeah. now. laughs> 
tell me, at what point then did you decide, okay, paper's working, I'm going to move on to something else. I'm going to add to the collection. How did that start to happen? Okay, well, what was happening is that I realized, you know, as time went on, that I had to offer more than just paper because people were saying, oh, but you know, I can't find cardstock that's going to match this. And I'd love to have embellishments. Have you got little embellishments that could, you know, with a sea collection that I could have a little lighthouse and I could have a little sailing boat. And this is what drove us is actually people coming to us and saying, we need to be able to match a collection. When we're putting a page together or a card together, we need the matching stuff. And we thought, well, gee, well, why not do this? Most of the stuff we try and source as much as we can from South Africa. Those that we can't, we design what we need to and we get it manufactured in China, especially our metals, because there's no one that does metals in South Africa. So that's when we started launching into that. And I had been to China on business with my husband. And so I met this little when I say little girl, I, I really do mean she's little. She's like four foot five or something. She's really little. And I met her and she's been with us for 12 years now. So she does all my quality control and she makes sure that everything is happening in China. And then, you know, she makes sure that the shipment is perfect. And so she sends it through. So that's how we started getting into that. And then we realized people wanted words. And the words that we were getting in South Africa were really... They were small and it was basic. We just thought it could be a lot more funky and we could do really beautiful fonts as opposed to punched out fonts. We then invested in our first investment. Well, this is after the 11 years. It, no, it wasn't. Uh, 11th collection. That must have been the second or third year. We then invested, and that was a huge big step, in a really, really good laser machine. And we started then matching our words and everything with the collections that we were developing. It kind of grew out of our customers' demands. When you hear it enough times, do something about it, otherwise someone else is going to. That is so great. You are right. Do it, do it yourself or someone else, someone else is, going is going to. to that do is it. Absolutely. beautiful. And Gift Biz listeners, I'm underlining this right now. Listen to your customers. They tell you, instead of you sitting behind the scenes trying to think of what next, Ask them. Ask them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It makes life so much easier. Now, it doesn't make it easier on fulfilling the requests, but in terms of exactly what to do, you're kind of creating a pre-made audience of purchasers already because yeah. you're, they're telling you what they want. Yeah, that's exactly it. And when you hear it enough times, then you think, okay, let's go in small, creep in, don't, don't go in huge and bring out a massive collection starting with just a couple and then try it out and if you start seeing the sales coming through there then you can start driving it up and then listen again i've got to do some changes now just from customer demand so it changes all the time as a creative you're always going to have to do things that are different it's not just like a standard product that you can manufacture and then you just churn out hundreds and thousands of it Creativity is totally different. You've got to be innovative. You've got to be cutting edge. You've, you've got to come up with different ideas. But all those ideas are there. You've just got to listen. So with your designs, do you continue reproducing some of the more popular ones? Or once they're gone, they're gone? Once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, so you better grab it up. If you like something, you better grab it up while you can. Okay, this is a mistake we made when we first started, Sue, is that what we did was, because it was popular... We got so excited, it sold out in three weeks or four weeks or whatever it was. And then we would reprint and we'd sell maybe 25% of it. And then we were left with the other 75%. So 
What I'm saying is, is that that lesson took us a long time to learn because I kept on reproducing because clients would come and say, oh, you don't understand. I'm doing this class for 50 people and I've got to have this paper. So we'd go and print because we just didn't want to let our clients down. But it doesn't make sense in the end because you can't sell through on a second lot enough. When it comes to printing, you can't do a minimum run because it's too expensive. So then you wouldn't be making money. So Very interesting because you're using the whole concept of scarcity mm. as a way to drive through and sell exactly. that whole design line. And since we adopted that, it worked. It just means then that you have to continually be in the creative mode. But as creatives, you know, whether you're a small creative or a big creative, doesn't matter. If you're a creative person, that's what you do all day. I mean, I don't even have to be at work and I'm creating. In my head, that's what creative people do is that we just, all of us just have that wonderful ability to be able to look at trees and look at a dam. All of a sudden, we've created something different out of it. So that's the beauty of being a creative. I mean, my husband's a scientist, so he's quite envious, actually. He just can't go laterally at all. He just doesn't think in that line, that way of thinking. And so I think, I think us creatives are lucky. Yeah, I agree with you there. So you have been talking so confidently about how all of this has grown. You've given us a little bit of idea of some of the struggles that you've had. And we talked right before we went live about the fact you were saying to me, oh my gosh, if I had only known um, you know, all these things, right, that I wish I would have known before I got started, that I've learned along the way. Can you pick out something else that was a biggie for you that you could share with our listeners? A struggle that you had or something that you've overcome or some great piece of wisdom that we haven't heard from you yet? You know, Sue, as I said earlier on, if I had the knowledge I had now after 12 years, I feel as though I've got it. I finally, finally got it, but it's taken me 12 years to get it. Do you know? Because it's that whole balancing act, which I just didn't get in those early years. I really didn't. I'd get so excited because I'm a creative and I love what I've created and I just want to share it with 20 million people, except 20 million aren't interested. You know, there's only 1 million that might be interested, you know. So I've had upheavals throughout business and I've learned because we produce so many products so fast, we've had enormous upheavals throughout. I mean, we're halfway through your production, your machine crashes or your staff are sick or, you know, those sort of hassles are just, you just want to curl up and die and think, oh, how the hell am I going to get this out? And there's one thing that I've learned and I feel quite calm when it comes to stresses now, whereas before I used to freak out and didn't know what to do. Whereas now I sort of sit back and I think, okay, what are solutions do we have? Which one's the best for the company? And I say that every single time. And every time some young lady walks into my office and says, oh, you're not going to believe what's just happened. And then she'll tell me uh, like the shipment didn't go or the shipment sank, which we did have, by the way. A whole ship sank and I lost everything. Um, oh, my. I know. So <laughs> I, I, that's just one of the things. When they come and say, right, how do we salvage? What is the best way that's going to minimize the cost of the company? And then we just look at the, okay, there's the options which is a side that I didn't know about myself, is that you can suddenly look at the problem and say, right, where's the solution? Then you pick one that's going to be best for the company. Okay, it's going to save time, it's going to save money. You won't have made the money that you would have made had it all been perfect, but this is the best way to salvage a situation. And that has been the best thing I think I've ever learned, 
in the years. I don't know when I, I don't know which year I learned it. And straight away, I don't put up with histrionics anymore, with staff or whatever, because they're all creative. So they're all quite emotional people. And they'll come in and now I just say, right, come to me with solutions. And then let's work out which is the best one for the company. This is such great advice. Let me tell you, it saved my sanity. That advice saved my sanity. <laughs> because otherwise, as a creative, I'm just too emotional. I want to implode. I'm just so desperate for the stuff to get out. And I just, no, calm down. And I just say, right. And it really does work. And I think you have to just expect that everything is not going to go smoothly. I mean, it's oh. going to happen no matter what you put in place in terms of, oh, you know, absolutely. safety and all of that. It's going to happen. And man, I fear when I'm sending things over from China, which I also have to do because I can't source everything in the States. I yeah. try to when I can. But you hear these stories of those containers just falling off into the water. And it just freaks me out every time I hear that. So and then hearing that it happened to you. Oh, my God. My ship sank. <laughs> it, it genuinely oh, no. it sank with all my <laughs> albums in. And I just had all these leather albums created. And the whole ship sank. You know, oh, I mean, my word. and the worst part about it is that we had done pre-orders. So I'd at least know what more or less what was coming in. And so once we had reached the 50% mark with pre-orders, we said, right, let's go for it. Let's pay the money. Let's get the shipment in. And the ship sank. So what did you do? Okay, I was still at my emotional stage. I cried. <laughs> well, that's allowed sometimes. And then you get back to work, right? Yes. So I cried and I thought, okay, right. Now, how are we going to salvage this? Because all the clients that wanted their order, they placed their order because we are a COD company. They all paid up front. So now we had to reimburse them all their money, which was seriously, seriously tough on my cash flow. So I reimbursed the money. I did the right thing, reimbursed their money and said, right, the next shipment is going to be in eight weeks time. When the ship docks, we'll then put out the invoice. <laughs> so we kind of learned that one the hard way. You know, you don't want to take the money up front and then you've spent the money. It messes with your cash flow. Rather just wait until you're sure that everything's okay and then send out the invoices and get them to pay for it. So it just means that you've just got to stretch your money a little bit further. But you did the right thing by doing right by the customer. Yes, absolutely. Probably didn't lose anybody because people, even mm -hmm. though they might not like it, people understand that things happen they too. Do. And by you doing what the be in the best interest, interest of your customer, of my customer. Mm. keeps them. They appreciate that. I can tell you now the customer, we try our hardest to really zoom in on the customer and, and fulfill their every desire. If they need something really urgently, I tell you, the, the factory start, they will break their backs. And we say, listen, this is Andrea that's been with us for 12 years. She needs this. She's got a class tomorrow and she has to have this. Get it sent overnight tonight. And I tell you now, they'll stop at nothing. Some of my staff, I mean, the one time we had a massive shipment that was going out and the electricity, we lost the electricity. You know, we were going through power shortages here. And so they just shut down the electricity. And I just sat down in a heap and I just burst into tears. I just thought, you know, we've worked so hard for the shipment and now we're not going to meet the deadline anyway. So I then I said to everybody, look, let's pack up, let's go home. We'll deal with this tomorrow make a decision as to what we're going to do tomorrow. The next day I walked into the office and I couldn't believe it. All the lights were on, all the staff were there. And I walked in and I said, well, what's going on here? And they said the security guard had phoned them 
at 11 o'clock and said the lights were back on and all the staff came back and they cut the rest of the stock and they had the shipment ready. Wow. I, I promise you. Well, I cried even more then. Of <laughs> course just, you did. Oh, my word. It was just amazing because they just knew how important it was and they just pulled out all the stops. I didn't know anything. I was sleeping soundly in my bed. And they did that. And it was just the most, it, I was so emotional that day. It was just ridiculous because we got it out in time and it was wonderful. We were talking about how important it is in terms of your relationships with your customers. But now listen to what you just talked about, your relationship with your employees and the factories that are working for you, etc. They didn't even call you. They just did it. Yeah. I mean, that is, it that was just amazing. That speaks mounds about who you are as a person and as a business owner. It's an excellent example. I'm so glad we got onto this topic. I don't know if you were planning on sharing this or not, but I'm so glad we drew it out. <laughs> it was the one order that really stood out in my mind. And the factory staff, they're just amazing people. And they just try so hard and they work so hard. And I, I'm so proud of all of them. And, you know, we try and mentor them so that they get into a position of knowledge and position where they can be powerful within the company, that they can make decisions because they've been there and they understand the products so unbelievably well because most of them have been with me from the start. And it's fantastic. We've got a great relationship. I mean, I yell and scream and I'm mad at them sometimes. And, you know, and they also go, off. Oh, don't worry. They're also under stress. But at the end of the day, oh, we buy Kentucky Fried Chicken and we sit down and we all have a good laugh. <laughs> you know, it's the highs and the lows, but we're in a creative world. I mean, what do you want to do? Wrap toilet paper for the rest of your life, you know? Or do you want to actually do something creative and make a difference in people's lives? That's what we think we do. This has been fabulous. Okay, as we go on, I want to get some more golden nuggets out of you in a section that we call our reflection section. It's a way to look at you as a business owner and what types of things you innately have or you use to help you be successful. So if you were to identify one natural trait that you continue to call upon, what would that be? I have a work ethic. I'm a hard worker. That is my strongest trait. I make sure I'm there for my family. My husband said he's never ever minded me, he doesn't mind me working at all. But the one thing is, is that when it's family time, it's family time. And that's it. You're home on time and you switch off from work. But when I'm at work, I work. I don't waste time. I make decisions quickly and it's one decision. I can't afford to come up with too many different options and sit and discuss it for days on end. You can't do that. When you're in a business, time is money and you've got to make a decision quite quickly and work hard. And everyone does work hard. And we do that. Sometimes we work so hard and we say, you know what, Friday, 10 o'clock, let's all stop and we're going to have a little lunch and then we're all going to go home. And we do that. So it's like a little reward that you get. But we work hard. I would say that with all my staff as to why we are where we are now is because of sheer hard work. Obviously, talent, you've got to have talent. I mean, if you don't have talent, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. But there's talent, and it's not only my talents, it's all the creatives' talents. It's a collaboration. It's not me. We all sit as a team together, and we work together, and we work hard together. So Work hard, play hard, and having that separation of when you're done, take your mind off it, go do other types of things. And, you know, there have been a lot of studies done lately that show that putting in 
15, 17 hour days and working like a crazy mm -mm. person no. doesn't necessarily no. produce any more than no. if you really focus for the eight hours or whatever your business is going to be. That's exactly it. Often towards the end of the day when I'm getting tired and I'm battling with the design and I just can't get it right and I've critted it myself and I've got everyone else to crit it and I still not happy with the solution. I then just close the office and and this also took me a while to learn as well. And then I forget about it. I'm now with my family and it's family time and totally relaxed by the end of the evening. You go to sleep, you wake up in the morning and I'm not joking. I'll go to that design and I'll say, oh, well, there's the problem. And I sort it out within 10 minutes. In the olden days, I would have sat there for another three, four, five hours trying to get it right. Forget it. My brain is too tired. It's, it's just not working effectively and right. productively. So that's why I say when I'm at work, I work really hard and I know I get tired towards the end of the day. When I've reached a problem, I never, ever take it home with me. I leave it and somehow dreams and sleep, I, I can tell you it restores everything. Just take that time out. You have to. And don't interfere with the family. The family is so important. I mean, they're my backup. Whenever I'm in real trouble anywhere, if I'm in a, in a ghastly meeting and I'm not having a good time, at the back of my mind, I've always got, Trev still loves me, Trev still loves me, Trev still loves me. <laughs> that's my uh -huh. husband. <laughs> and I just think, you know, if all else fails, he still loves me. So that's okay. There you go. And that's what keeps me going is that is, is you can just leave your work. We have work and have play and play as hard as you work. I mean, I do. I, we have a great time and it just invigorates. And that stimulation, a creative person needs to get out of the situation in order to be stimulated. You need to get away. I take, and I know you Americans don't actually go for this, but seriously, I take two months leave a year. Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> I know you don't. So it's split up over the year, but it's not a holiday that I haven't holidayed with my children. When they're on holiday, I take off. And I tell you, I come back and I'm full of ideas and I'm so creative and I'm energized. I can't wait to get back to work. Whereas I've been in business before in my first business, which failed. And I used to work until midnight and I, I did that year in, year out. And you know what? The business still failed. What I'm saying is, is that this time I haven't done that. I've made sure I've kept it separate, but I've kept that balance. And I'll tell you now, that has got a lot to do with the success we are today. I come in fresh every day, excited every day, motivated every day, because it hasn't been working all day and all night. You just can't do that. That is such a great message. And if we could all just learn that. It's difficult. Focusing, working when you have to, and then taking your break and focusing on things for yourself, being with your family, all of that. I naturally want to work day and night. I naturally want to do that because I love what I do and I want to solve the problem. But I know, but I've only learned this later, is that I have to have that break for me to really be effective. It's taken me a long time to learn that. And I'm saying what you achieve in those six or seven hours that you work into the night, you could have achieved in one hour the next day. Absolutely. 
do you have a book or something that you think our listeners could find value in, in terms of what you're doing either in business or with your downtime? Okay, mine is books are strictly downtime for me. As I say, I work all day and I come back and then I'm with my family. And I've also got five dogs, so and they all require attention. And so I generally, on my holidays that I take, which is, you know, my two months, which are, is broken up in the kids' holidays, and I then grab every single possible romantic book or frivolous book or whatever book I can get my hands on. And I've just read You Before Me, and I just, oh, it tickled my fancy. It was just this whimsical story about this girl. She was so creative and she just loved life and she just made everyone else's life just beautiful. And she gave a lot. It really stood out in my mind because I thought she just made an effort with family and friends and everybody. It just reminded me that I must make sure that I keep everyone else upbeat as well. It was a lovely book to read and it just made me realize that I must, everywhere we go, we must just enjoy and just respect life because it's so beautiful and we sometimes ruin it by overdoing things in certain sections. I agree with you and I also think that by getting away and reading some of that too, sometimes you get brand new ideas for your business just from things you're not even thinking about in that way or reinforcement. Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to us today right here on this podcast, you can also listen to audiobooks, business books, or more personal type books, romances, whatever you want. Yep. With ease, I've teamed up with Audible for you to be able to select an audiobook for free on me. If you haven't done so already, just jump over to giftbizbook.com and make a selection and grab yourself an audiobook. Okay, Brigitte, now... I invite you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside this box? That is so exciting. I'll tell you now what I really, really, really want to do is that I want to specialize in custom-made kits and just drive that, where for every occasion, there'll be a different kit that you can open up and you can put everything together because people don't have time. Oh, I would love that. You know, also the staff, they love putting these kits together to come up with different kits and the most exciting creative kits, off-the-wall projects, um, standard projects for card makers, but Do things that are different, totally different kits. My passion is fine art. That's what I studied. And I would love to involve a lot of mixed media, off-the-wall stuff. we kind of known by our mannequins, which we dress up in paper and fabric and stuff like that. Now, I want to put kits like that together, really exciting kits so that you can you receive it in your home and you can put it up on your wall and it's something that you've created and you've made it yours. So that's what I'd really like to do. That would be really cool. And Gift Biz listeners, I have a couple of photos of those mannequins. I will put them on the show notes page so that you can see what we're talking about. Also on the show notes page, there's going to be all the links that there normally are to websites, social media sites, and all of that. So you'll be able to see what Brigitte is doing. And my guess is, Brigitte, you might have some of those kids coming up sometime because I hear the passion. I'm keen. I hear that passion coming through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Your story has been absolutely fabulous. Thinking of you with your sister in the loft, then taking the chance on your first collections, 
plowing through to number 11 and 12, we really were seeing that this was clicking. You know, the rubber hits the road, as we say here. You know, it's working for you. And now to where you are right now, you know, such a successful company, larger than you probably ever could have imagined. So fabulous. I wish you continued success and may your candle always burn bright. Thank you so much, Steve. I really enjoyed that. Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know your setup for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting giftbizquiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.